your brain is not going to heaven with you. So, so the scripture that we're talking about here is, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So if you want to come to God, if you want to approach God, if you want to talk to God, if you want to walk with God, if you want to hear God and you want to know that God hears you, here's the criteria. You have to believe that he is. You have to believe that he's God. And you have to believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Why? Because all that is faith. And what did the beginning of that scripture say? It says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. You can't please God. You, you, you cannot please God without faith. And, and for those of you who fret, who are in fear, who are overwhelmed with anxieties, let me tell you now that fears and anxieties are the opposite of faith. If you're overwhelmed with fears and anxieties, that is the opposite of faith. So before we come to God, before we come and talk to God, we have to get control of those fears and those anxieties. Joshua 1.9, when the Lord is talking to his people, what does he say? Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Throughout the Old and the New Testament, God looks at fears and anxieties as sin against him. It means you don't have any faith in him. It means you don't believe he can save you. It means you don't believe that he's stronger than everything that's in front of you. So if you want to walk with God, if you want to talk with God, you must believe that he is, and you must believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Then you have to know God. You have to know him. Uh, I, I hope that you got a scratch pad there and you're taking notes because uh, right here in this know God, the three-in-one mystery, um, the, 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 the Trinity, that was, this was this vagary that used to blow my mind. I could not understand why people hammered away on this, on all the lingo, why they were so hung up on the words, why, why people had to agree in the Trinity, and why people had to agree that Jesus is God and God is Jesus, because I couldn't understand how it all fit. And nobody could really explain it to me. And when I'd come and ask, they would just say, well, you just have to believe. Well, that's, that's not working for me. So man is created in the image of God. Man is created in the image of God. We have a soul. We're created in the image of God. We have a spirit. We're created in the image of God. And we have our word. Our words. Yes, the sounds that come out of your mouth. Your words. And we are created in the image of God. The soul is the Father. The Spirit is the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God is Jesus. You, you can back that up in Scripture. 
any day of the week, any time from the Old Testament to the New. The Bible clearly tells us that Jesus is literally the Word of God. Literally. His words turned into flesh. The Bible tells us that that God is spirit. And the Bible tells us who the Holy Spirit is. That God is a soul. So, we have a a holy of holies and an external holy, and then then we have uh, the, the the grounds of the temple. So if we can be formed, if we can divide ourselves into three parts, then we can definitely understand how God can also be three parts. And if God took his own words and made them flesh, we can definitely understand how God would define his own words as himself and his beloved son in whom he's well pleased. And if our words became flesh, if my own words became flesh, would that not be my child? Of course it would be. John 1, verses 1 through 14, the Word became flesh. The Word was born here, God's only Son. The covenant with man was God's Word. God's Word cannot be taken back. God's Word cannot be undone or changed. God's Word can never relent. To give man a new covenant, God's Word had to be killed and born again because God had already given his Word. God gave his word in the Old Covenant. So in order for God to issue his word to us again and create us a new covenant, the Old Covenant had to die. That covenant was God's word. So Jesus came down here and became flesh so that God's word could die, so that God's word could become accursed and be put on a cross so that we can have a new covenant which abolished our sin, which made us free of sin. Satan came when Jesus was tempted 40 days and nights in the wilderness. Satan came, and he tried to parlay with God's word. He tried to change God's word. He tried to overcome God's word. He tried to manipulate God's word. He tried to get God's word to conform to his desires. He tried to deceive, trick God's word. He tried to bribe God's word. Finally, he tried to kill God's word. Why did Satan want to overcome God's word so badly? So badly. Have you read the book of Isaiah? Have you read Revelations? Satan knows what's coming. He knows what's coming for him. And his only hope 
to make God's word come undone. Is to make God's word return void. Is to make God's word broken, manipulated, changed. Otherwise, he knows he knows what what there is for him. It is written. It is written. And so he showed up personally to try to overcome God's word so that he could be like God. He tried to tempt God's word. He tried to deceive God's word. He tried to corrupt and twist God's word. Satan tried to bribe God's word. He tried to resist God's word. Finally, Satan tried to kill God's word. He put God's word on the cross. And I'll bet for an instant when he put God's word on the cross, when he saw the light go out, when he saw Jesus die, for a second he was filled with glee. That he had undone everything, that he had overcome, that he was like God. until his cell phone rang and it was the demons down in hell and they said Satan you got to come back you got to get down here right now we got a problem he said what can the problem possibly be can't don't and I tell you guys I'm busy right now I'm up here taking on God's word and they said but Satan God's word just showed up here in, in hell and God's word is preaching and God's word is setting people free. And that's when he realized he hadn't won a thing. He left his back door open and his house was getting plundered. God's word has a name. And that name is Jesus. God's word sets the captives free. God's word can heal. God's word can give us peace. God's word has power. God's word never changes. God's word breaks chains. God's word is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. All kings and lords must submit to God's word. Every living thing will bow its knee to God's word. God's word is quick, and his word is powerful. It's sharper than, than any two-edged sword. It divides even unto the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit, and it's able to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. Nothing can hide from God's word. Nothing escapes God's word. All that is was made by God's word and through God's word and for God's word. Because if God's word said, let there be, then it was manifested for the sake of what? Fulfilling the desire, the intent, the purpose of God's word. Because God's word never returns void. 
Number two, repent and clear the slate. We hear lots of churches that preach about saying the magic words, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and so I'm saved forever, even if I live like a heathen and I'm a horrible human being. It doesn't work like that. Every time Jesus said to accept him as as your Lord and Savior, first he said, repent. John the Baptist came before the Word of God saying, repent. Without repentance, there is no salvation. If you cannot repent, you cannot be saved. There is no place in heaven for an unrepentant heart. There is no place amongst the servants of Jesus Christ for an unrepentant heart or for a wicked servant or for an unfaithful servant. True repentance means, like Luke 3 8 says, it bears fruits in keeping. It bears fruits in keeping with repentance. So if you repent, if you truly repent, your repentance will bear fruits. There will be a change. We don't want to do those things anymore. There's an internal change of our mind and our heart, not just sorrow because of sin. There's a renewed purpose. When we ask for grace, we diligently seek it, we change our ways. There's a Greek word for repentance used throughout the New Testament. It's metanoeo, to experience a change that metanoeo means to experience a change of the mind's perceptions, to change the mind's thoughts or purposes. Meta means a movement or a change. Noel means the thoughts, perceptions, disposition, the purpose of the mind. Choose to change and reject Satan's temptations. That's where we're going to stop on this this uh, this portion. I'll continue again uh, next upload. I may even redo this whole thing because it ended up in two segments. Anyway, uh, be blessed and the Lord be with you. Let your eyes be opened. Have patience. Stay with me in this. Listen. Hear this. Everything about God, everything about your relationship with God, every mandate of God, every mercy of God, every commandment of God is all about the attitude of your heart. Every single bit of it is about the attitude of your heart. So if there's a blockage, look inward. Look at your heart. Is there people you're not forgiving? Are you full of unforgiveness? Are you full of anger? Are you bitter? Look at your heart. We'll talk again tomorrow. I love you.